0: Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host as always Sarah Travers and throughout this series I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out crucially how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, today I am joined by Karen Yates, founder of Taylor Yates. Karen, you are very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. As always, before we begin, a little bit of background, first of all, on Karen and her business. So if you don't know, Karen and Ellen Yates are a mother and daughter team who are designing sustainable luxury leather handbags that are handmade using British leather in the UK. Now before starting working with the brand, Ellen was a student in Manchester studying fashion, business and management and graduated last year during lockdown. While mum Karen runs a marketing consultancy alongside Taylor Yates. So the idea for the brand started with Karen being asked to do a guest lecture on ethics in marketing. And around the same time, wanting to get Ellen a handbag for her 18th birthday. Not being able to find anything that felt like real soft leather, that was understated and modern looking, guess what? They decided to design their own collection. Karen, it's quite a journey and I have to admit that I've known you for many, many years and you've always been an entrepreneur, really. Even when you were working for other companies, you were actually always innovating, always doing something different, but... Let's just start at the beginning, because um, you, were, you grew up in England. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Um, yeah, so um, I'm originally from Warrington, which is um, near Manchester, I suppose, is what I usually say, but probably the place that most people pass on the M6, really, is sort of <laughs> the way I think of it. Great place to, to grow up, really good people. But I left there at 18, went to what was Poly back in the day, found myself in London um, working for Jaeger, which was amazing. Oh, House of Fraser and um, John Lewis um, for a while. Really, really amazing year. But then, um, and what did you
0: study to get to that kind of it job? Was,
1: it was business studies and marketing. Ah, I right. decided to do marketing back in the day because the choice was accountancy, marketing, or what was called personnel then, and it was the one that just sparked my interest. Um, and then I applied for a job in um, what was like a student newspaper um, for um, a company called Desmond's. Um, they were literally, uh, 10 miles away from my home was, th- it was advertised, but actually they were based in Drummer Ho, just outside Derry. Yeah. Um, and, um, through a series of sort of short interviews, um, <laughs> one of which I remember, um, the production director, um, was asking me about my year in London and I was telling him what was, ha- what had happened and how we had, uh, actually had to, um, reduce the, um, whole side of, wholesale side of the business and he said um, so it's fair to say by the end of the year um, you know you, you could have been running the business and uh, fair <laughs> to say yes and I, yes. And I was sort of like oh, oversell and um, didn't know whether anyway got the job did you um, say yes I did say yes <laughs> I did girl. say yes and then I got the job but I was like 20 I don't know 23, 24 and um, it was my first job really out of uni but I literally arrived on the Monday and was told Next Monday, you're, you're flying to Northern Ireland. So, Had that you was ever been before? No, no, no idea. I mean, it was 19, it's a long time ago now, it was 1988. So I started in September 88 over in, um, in Drummahoe.
0: So difficult times to be visiting Northern Ireland?
1: Um, I suppose so, but ironically, um, not something that, I mean, you know, lots of things were obviously happening. I described it at the time as a little bit like having your local news on the national news. Yeah. Because we had had issues in Manchester, issues in Liverpool, it was very different. I I, mm-hmm. I do get that, but everybody was very kind. So uh, that was the start of me being here.
0: Right. So what happened next then?
1: I um, two years flying back and two to London every week, um, growing my own department within. We supplied Desmond supplied Marks and Spencers with clothing. That's right. And um, 1990, one of those. Um, sort of moments where my sales director, a fab guy called Ronnie Simpson, um, said, What are you gonna do the rest of your life, kid? Oh. And I was like, you know, make me an offer, sort of. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, Move to Northern Ireland. So so I moved, um, literally moved over in um February nineteen ninety. I told my mum I was coming for two years. And um then I went on skiing holiday the following <laughs> year. <laughs> And I was living in Port Stewart, met um, the guy who's now my husband, oh. um, Russell Yates, and um, yeah, four and a half years later we were married, and then, you know, fast forward, I've now got three kids, two through uni, we've built um, his design and print business, and we now have a start-up, so
0: so you never came home again
1: never went back home quite no not to your
0: no. well, what did your poor mom
1: think of that well you know sadly um mom actually um mom and dad planned to move to scotland and then decided they were moving to northern ireland unfortunately she um she got um very ill and um and died like she was only 57 so yeah. she died in um 2000 met two of the kids um, but my dad moved here. That's right. Then in 2006, yeah. after he retired, so he he had a good sort of almost 10 years here before then. He unfortunately also um, passed away. But that was great.
0: And they came to uh, well, your yeah. dad was able to be here for a while, which was which was lovely. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. You've been very busy, and you've moved to Northern Ireland. But deep down, there is always that burning entrepreneur that knew that you wanted to do something yourself.
1: Yeah, I suppose. Um, it's sort of an interesting one because the more you get asked about it, the more you start to actually maybe consider that. And I didn't realise how much my background had influenced, you know, where, you know, what I've ended up doing. My nana had three businesses. She ran a corner shop from her house. She ran trips to Blackpool and she also or like coached trips for people that came in and bought the tickets and she ended.
0: Nobody and then, called her an entrepreneur.
1: No, <laughs> no, because it wasn't a thing, no, was it then? No. You know, she was just, you know, um, she's just Alice Wells who ran the corner shop. Wow. Um and so that strength that she had in termination, I think, um, has yeah, it's just been something that I've reflected on a lot more in the last while.
0: So you were involved in in Russell's family business at yep. the time very heavily, and you you I mean you threw yourself into that, but um, and made a great success of that. But let's talk about the handbags because they are absolutely beautiful. If you've ever held or lucky enough to own a Taylor Yates handbag, it is the softest leather I have ever felt in my life. Thank you. It really is. So, okay, you wanted to get Ellen, your gorgeous daughter. Um, Handbag, and you know she was working in fashion business and management as well. What were your thoughts? Did you want to work with her? Did she want to work with you? I'm thinking of me and my daughter, and whether that would be such a good idea or not. Yeah, it it actually, it actually didn't happen. That way. she was going to go and do ancient history
1: at university. That was the plan, and um, yeah, she she loved, she absolutely loved ancient history, um, classic civilization, and um. I'd actually started a t-shirt business before Taylor Eights, so um, from the lecture, I just realised that the world was changing, and I felt like business had always been way back a force for good, and and I felt um, it it should be a force for good, and there's lots of businesses that are, but I wanted to build a social good business, so I started with t-shirts, and that was okay, but wasn't necessarily going in the direction. The handbag idea was because I always wanted to build a brand, I decided I wanted to build a brand, but... If you don't have a lot of money, it's hard to go and um, get lots and lots of uh, clothing made Mm -hmm. um, and stock. And the traditional way to do that, you need cash. So the handbag was um, partly because I then started to look for her for something for her birthday. And my background in manufacturing meant that I could see the value or lack of value okay. in other products, mm-hmm. and felt that there was space for something that was just really beautiful, really soft, and actually, I wanted it to be made out of the same leather that you use for jackets and um, and gloves.
0: So, what did you do then?
1: Um, I started by uh, going back and talking to some of my sort of connections, and I looked at China first because that's the natural was the natural route. Mm-hmm. Um, I negotiated, we um, we had um, the minimum order values reduced. We were ready to sort of almost press the button and I just got cold feet, thought this doesn't make any sense. I tried Italy as well, which again, uh, but we wanted to design from scratch. We didn't want to just take a off-the-shelf design that somebody else in a factory mm-hmm. had made. And um, and then one of my other, um, one other part of my life, I'm part-time chief exec of the chamber,
0: In Causeway. In Causeway, yeah.
1: yeah. And I had met um, the, uh, well, I think he was then the Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, um, Owen Patterson. Uh Remembered that he had some connection with leather in his family and literally picked up the phone. He phoned me from France and put me in touch are you with, serious? I'm serious, that's I don't know this at all. Yeah, it was amazing. He phoned me from France, he was on holiday. His secretary gave him a number, phoned me from France and said, yes, Karen, you need to speak to." and he gave him the name of this guy, and they didn't even have a website. Because like, leather is a bit cloaked in sort of you know, mystery in terms of where it, you know, the, 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 some of the organisations. Um, and he put me in touch, and I then got in touch with um, the factory in Somerset that we're now working with.
0: Oh my goodness. So how relieved do you feel that you didn't go with China or Italy? Hmm. Hugely. I mean right. it just
1: it just felt it so right. It was
0: meant right. to be. Oh, 100%. So and and a quick trip over rather than yes. having to Yeah, we went head in the January.
1: Forward. We went in January 2016 and by that stage um Ellen was um yeah, she was doing her A levels. Still she was doing her A-levels, but she came with me. Yeah. because um, she was just interested, I think. Um at that point but we went over and um 2016 january and we launched in november um 2016 she by that stage had switched her course and went to in fact she was on a year out that's right she was on a year out so she switched her course then to fa- uh, business and um with fas- fashion and business management
0: This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. From employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law, Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. And you already knew you were going to have the Taylor Yates name. No?
1: No, that wasn't the first name either. What was the first name? It was terrible. We, we don't like to talk about it. Okay.
0: <laughs> Go on, tell <laughs> us.
1: It was, um, it was called Bags of Respect. Okay. which was this idea that... That
0: reminds me of the bags of fashion that used to be down the... Yeah,
1: the idea was that, you know, every... Uh, we, we want to be the Tom's shoes uh, of handbags. Yeah. So every bag does some good. Okay. And that was where it came from. Um, we now are there in terms of every sale. We give um, £5 to Glow and I, and then we plant a tree. So we're sort of where we wanted to be. Um, but yeah, it was that wasn't the name initially, um, and that j- name just didn't really work um,
0: yeah, but you have to start somewhere, don't you? And it's only then when you're just going right, we're not, we're not quite there. And you've got, you've got two great names right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it actually came again because of my um, background. I suppose um, my old boss, um, Dennis Desmond, used to walk in every Friday after we'd all been in London. And after I got married, he would walk in and go, "Well, Mrs. Tailiates," and it ah. just—that's where they, the sort of the idea came from. I suppose my maiden name is and my married
0: name, married name. Okay, and Ellen's name. And oh, Ellen's name. Yes, absolutely. Um, the women in your life also influenced the products.
1: Yes, yes. So we were, um, we had uh, created the first collection. We'd, um, we'd actually met with Karen Millen in London, had tea with her. She was fantastic. Mm. And her piece of advice was cut, cut, cut. However many products you've got, just cut it. So we um, slimmed the range down, the collection down to five. Um, we knew the shapes you know. we had a tote, we had a hobo we had um, a little clutch but we sort of wanted to give them names um, mm-hmm. we didn't know what that was going to look like we looked at what other people were doing and Ellen and I were driving to Belfast one day and I said I know, I know exactly what we're going to do and she looked at me as if I was crazy as usual and because um, <laughs> I do tend to do that and I said Alice after my nana Mary after her sister Mavis after my aunt and then Doris was the um, hairdresser that was literally her salon. She lived next door to my nana and she was at the end of the road. And I spent every Saturday morning with these women. Oh. But my mum's name was Norma and it didn't fit at that point. I didn't feel like, so I was oh. having this real like,
0: what am I going to do? Oh no. My, it has, she has to be in there. It's like naming your babies but you don't really like the name. Yet. Exactly,
1: it didn't work. Shame so on you. So my sister phoned or messaged one day and went, I know, my dad always called my mum Tilly. We've no idea why, sadly. We never asked the question. Which So if you ever." have to ask a question of anybody, ask it sooner yeah. rather than later. Okay. But it just fitted, so Alice, Tilly, Mary, Mavis and Doris was the first collection.
0: Do you ever think you'll have a Norma?
1: We do now have a ah. Norma. We do now have a Norma because um, we a lot of the designs have come from um, past handbags or shapes, and I have a bag which um, Norma, my mum, saved up to buy for me in the 90s, so we redesigned it. Oh, that's lovely. So now as well.
0: oh, That's really lovely. So go back a little bit you've you've got your core did you say five it was the first yeah so the first five um how did you work on the design for those who did you work with how did you come up with them um so
1: the factory in um, in somerset have um a, a design department as well so we worked with their design team to to basically we tend to work from either a shape or, as I say, an actual product that we, we've had. You know my sort of archive wasn't very expensive archive, but there were pretty cool shapes. And then they
0: will produce um, an initial sample and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. So and do you, do you enjoy that whole design side of things?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do really love that. Ellen loves it as well. We've got quite diff- we're very similar um, in lots of ways, but I think that the two of us together just create something that um, hopefully has a, a wide
0: appeal. Did you have any trepidation at all when you were starting out on this journey <laughs> um i I don't know whether
1: I allowed myself to have that you know any trepidation i mean i I tended to um f- quite early on um there were people that I just wouldn't discuss it with because I knew that Negative. it was yeah mm. but it was it was it was a crazy idea it still is a crazy idea in lots of ways <laughs> you know. it's doing all right though we're doing okay but, but it's, it's taken
0: been a it's taken a while has it to get going yeah we're yeah. five and a half years right sort of in now and so at the start um because i mean they are luxury handbags absolutely. as well so you're going to have to get people to buy before you know you make money how much did you have to how much money did you have to get to allow this dream to happen
1: well, up until um, up until this year, apart from um, investor and I, f- um, you know, funding and um, a competition that Causeway Council ran that we won some money in, it's it was self-funded. So oh. we started with t-
0: 10000 pounds, right? Um, and that was a lot of pressure then. Yeah, yeah, okay. huge, huge. So when did you when did you feel like you know what, Ellen, we're getting somewhere. We've made it. We've done something. What happened? Do you remember a eureka moment? There's been a few that probably jump out. Um,
1: 2017 was awful. I thought I was going to just forget it, give it up. But in February 2018, we got invited to London Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. And that was literally Friday afternoon, voicemail. Is that real? Oh, my goodness. How does that happen? Uh, We were told at the time, Instagram. They found us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were, I think... We look bigger than we are. I think we've managed to
0: create a brand. Um, yeah, but also you've got the marketing background and Ellen has the marketing background and you know the power of a powerful image or something that just looks fabulous on Instagram, on Pinterest. That's where you need to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think going to Fashion Week and seeing what's happening, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. It's a it's sort of a trade show in some ways, but we learn loads um, that and then I think um Ellen joining she did her year out from uni then with us because she was supposed to go to House of Fraser. And then um they were about to go into their first oh. round of potential C V A sure. and it didn't feel safe and right and actually we convinced the uni she could come and work well, perfect for on the family thing. business. Well it was interesting because um, you know, there was a there was a bit of pushback that it wasn't you know, it was a family business, so therefore, you know, would you be better off getting experience elsewhere?
0: Um, Gosh, she got the best experience anyone could have. It was she amazing. Had to do everything. Well, that's when
1: it took off. Twenty eighteen was when we really. That was the first year that I felt like we might have something.
0: And did it slowly snowball, or what way did it did it build after Fashion Week? Well, the the one of the pivotal moments was uh, the designery in Bushmills. Tell um, us about that because there've been a few people. If you haven't been, you've got to go. <laughs> um, beautiful place with all sorts of wonderful crafters and creators in this one center
1: space yeah so downstairs 70 irish uh, made makers selling products you know the products sold upstairs maker's house three by three pod which i thought would be and we had a potter and we had a a milliner and we had a photographer and uh, artists and i thought that was a good space for ellen to work from yeah and that's all i thought it would be um on the day we opened which was the the Fourth of August, um we sold eight bags in one day,
0: and it was are you, oh my goodness, and obviously, this is located in bushmills, yeah. so you get a lot of um well, you've got the Bushmills in there, you've got the distillery, you've got lots of visiting people, would it be fair to say international to Americans coming funny, in with money?
1: Yeah, well, funny, a lot of Americans at the moment, actually. But at that point, it was really largely Northern Ireland, oh. local people that have supported us. I mean, we'd been on the King's Road, we'd been in Belgravia, we'd been at Fashion done Week. pop-up shops here, there we, and everywhere. We were going, it's funny, we were going away to try and find the business, but it's actually been built on our doorstep.
0: But did you need to go away to have the pictures of being away for the people at home to buy?
1: Possibly. Possibly. I think we maybe had to build the brand first. I think that yeah. we're, um, you know, uh, people have been incredibly supportive. And um, and we have people now that have six and seven
0: of our bags. Well, so. a friend of mine from London, I just told you that. It was quite funny. She didn't know that I knew you. And she said, oh, there's I'm coming back from London and there's a handbag with my name on it, in in, in this beautiful place in Bushmills, and I haven't quite told my husband that I'm going to buy it yet. And then on the way home, she did the the grand Na- she put a bet in the Grand National and she won. So she was pictured with all this cash, going, "Yes, I can buy my bag and not feel guilty about it." So she's now a, a proud, proud owner, and I think her sister is a few. So it is that word of mouth thing, and I do think it is that when you actually touch, yeah. <laughs> you've got to touch it, and you go, "Oh," although I be. You'd nearly be terrified. You'd ruin it, but they're very,
1: very wearable and durable. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, they're very. They're much, as I say, up here, they're much hardier than they than they look.
0: So you've moved on from the pod. Yes. What yes. have you got now?
1: So another crazy moment. Um, twenty nineteen. Um, we I downstairs. There were um, the other part of the bit, same building. Uh, credit union closed, and I saw the space. So, um, I had another. Uh, yeah, crazy moment where I just went, we need that space because we've grown and we need to be on the ground floor and, you know, we've got plans to extend the range. So we now have a studio store, which is part of the same building. We share the entrance um, with the designery. And um, as of today, there's um, there's actually, including Ellen, who is now um, uh, paid by the business, which is a moment for lots
0: of people that run businesses. Um, uh, there's, there's five of us. And that team. is incredible. What an achievement. Yeah. Um, you also must talk a good talk, Karen. You must be quite persuasive just to say, I need that space, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, or you've got people who go, sure, Karen, I, I can do that <laughs> for you. So you must be well connected. Really, I mean, really well supported, I supported. think, as well. that's yeah. the word. Yeah, No, Jane <laughs> was brilliant.
1: And Jane Taggart's chief exec um, of Enterprise Causeway. And I was like, Jane, can you help, please?
0: Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, we rent from, from them but Um, it's such a great attraction now and the actual shop itself is stunning and it does give you the space you mightn't have been found upstairs in the pod maybe if somebody hadn't gone into the designery but you've got this presence you've got a shop window totally and and you know we started the brand with the view that we would be online only yes
1: and actually we are 80 percent 75 80 percent of it is um through the store now so we are accidental retailers big time
0: oh my goodness okay so what happened then during the pandemic because obviously bricks and mortar not open yeah
1: yeah um it was it was interesting we um in 2020 the first lockdown um we sold a little bit online not a huge amount through that sort of period because we're still largely unknown But some of our customers were amazing. They just bought from us to support us and and literally would send us a message going, yeah, we just thought we'd treat ourselves. Um, Really, really amazing. But once we opened, um, it was just Ellen and I at that point. And we grew in that in 2020. Um, And then by the time we got to Christmas and then the second lockdown of 21, we were exhausted, to be honest. So we were, you know, um, it just gave us time to think about it and and work on the business. But again, we grew again in 21. So yeah,
0: it's... it's give, it gave us time to pause and reflect and do. Um, and the ability to realise that you have to adapt and change, actually, and that you can do it. Yeah. And you've got both now. Yeah. What about the online presence now? How's that going for you? We're working really hard
1: at it. Um, we, uh, we've sold to Australia. We've sold to Scandinavia or America. Um, so we've got little pockets, but, that yeah, we're learning we, we actually, we've just redone, we've just done our values and, and talked about,
0: you know, the business in, in, on the whole and we're really a work in progress. So. You also still stick to that core value of wanting to do good and wanting to have a purpose and you mentioned there that with every sale money goes to Glow N.I. What is Glow N.I.? Glow N.I. is our, um, I think it's our third charity partnership but
1: hopefully the one that we're going to stick with now um, run by an amazing woman called Cara Clark and they're based on the Peace Line in Belfast. And it's all about giving life opportunities to, initially women, but it'll branch out. Um, uh, they run courses around confidence and self-esteem. Um, you know, our we call it our beautiful purpose. At the core of that was always that um, you can be whatever you want to be. It just shouldn't matter where you live you know how you've been brought up um any of those things money shouldn't get in the way you should just be able to have choice and you've always
0: been very passionate about that um i know whenever we first met years ago you were maybe looking overseas to 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 help people but then closer to home you've done an awful lot of work even up on the north coast with maybe girls that didn't get the same opportunities as others
1: yeah absolutely well that was um so women for women international were the first organization um and we supported a woman in the congo and that was great um but it, we didn't feel connected. Um, and mm. then we, again, through Bosch Mills, um, we uh, came across a group of girls who were calling themselves the Little Divas at that point. <laughs> so Ellen and I quickly rebranded them. Uh, well, they wanted it, to be fair, but um, they became Building Me. That's right. Um, and, yeah, we raised their seed, money, money for them to start their own T-shirt business. And then they sold um, in the Giants Causeway shop. And they're still together, and Stella Bolton from the French Rooms, which some people know up in Bushmills, she still works with them. Um, they just got to a point where they didn't need us to
0: fundraise anymore. Um, and they are incredible girls, and it always seems a little bit patronising to be talking about them. I've met them a couple of times myself, but, you know, for some of those young girls, I think it's maybe shocks people to realise that they, they really hadn't been very far at all. Some of them had never even left Bushmills. And then to suddenly realise, we can make a difference, we can run a business... And then we can put money back into the business and grow this business. You know, there were real opportunities there that this allowed. Oh, absolutely. And they were fantastic. And they,
1: the ideas, once that they were unlocked, That's were right. phenomenal. And, the, you know, we, t- we showed them a film about um, fast fashion and sustainability. And um, so, they, so they created a sustainable brand. It was also, though, um, I think when you get involved in those in projects, the, the give back for us was huge because Ellen learned loads. Um, you always learn from other people um, regardless of their sort of you know um, experience or or knowledge and um, just realizing you know maybe how fortunate you are what privilege is all of those things too yeah absolutely and that you know I think everybody should be
0: should be helping to grow their own community, so. And how would you recommend that people go about doing that? Because it seems great, a great aspiration, but, you know, how can you actually do that? How do, can you start an idea, or how do you get involved? Is it better to go through a diff- an organisation that currently exists, or do it yourself?
1: Well, it's, it's funny, because at the beginning, we um, I thought that we would start our own foundation, um, but I think that, um, you know, the, the longer you're in business and the more that I've done, pe- people are... There are people out there, if there are people out there, sorry, that... Um, have an expertise then go to the experts so yeah. you know I, again um, I wouldn't have the necessary the, the time or the ability to run the organization in the way that Cara can mm-hmm. so supporting Cara is the right thing for us to do and then we'll concentrate on the building the brand designing the handbags and um, creating the um,
0: the income to help her yeah so great that you can you can help in communities you, you touched on fast fashion as well and sustainability it's it's absolutely everything now and that's something that your handbags do too i mean these are really an investment for life yes yeah hopefully i
1: mean back again when we launched we were told to you know we were advised um don't worry about sustainability don't worry about um you know the social good piece you just need to you know do what you're doing but we we were very we're very determined that way and and i think um You know, we want to be part of that, uh, of a new luxury model. We want to be part of a new system around fashion, but that makes it difficult um, because doing things in a way that um, reduces waste or doesn't at least add to it, um, doing things in a way where you've got sustainability at the front of your mind every time is harder than just going and buying some stock from somewhere, marking it up, selling a bit.
0: Put on sale and then go in again. There's research that also shows now that this generation will look for that. They'll actually, you know, go on the website and look down at what you do and what difference you make. And you know, it's it's important to people that they know that they're buying a good product with a good purpose and good values.
1: Absolutely. And I think so. So I suppose in some ways for us, it, you know, we were we were early. We stuck to our sort of you know values, and now we're we're we hopefully are well placed because. Um, we've got to do more work now on actually communicating that We're we're a little bit for all our ability to um, uh, you know network and speak to people and we know lots of people we c- we're a bit understated ourselves um, we don't um, we don't tend to shout about what we do maybe as much as we um, are told we should mm-hmm. even doing things like this it's not exactly my sort of norm it's not norm. It? <laughs>
0: really you don't you, yeah. well thank you for doing this because I think it's really interesting everybody wants to know how you do things but sometimes one of the biggest barriers is people I don't want to have to talk in front of a microphone I don't why would people listen to me but we are so interested in others because we constantly compare that's why this podcast works you are really busy though I mean it's not just that you want you do one thing you've you're also you've mentioned you're part-time chief executive of Causeway Chamber of Commerce so you're passionate about helping others set up their business you're passionate about making sure that businesses are represented well in that particular area that we have enough skills that we have enough funding all of those things and you run a, your own marketing agency do you want to tell us a little about that
1: yeah so um I suppose uh it's called, I call it Hone Insights. Um, I don't obviously listen to my own advice because I don't even have a website. <laughs> um, I literally don't. I am sort of a bit under the radar with it. Basically, I have a small number of clients that I work with and some of it is marketing, some of it is around um, their communications and then it's actually morphed into um, some coaching as well, mentoring and coaching and um, I suppose sharing my you know experience and, and, and knowledge. And it was... Um, it was really because I needed to have a focus on um, an income, <laughs> if, if I'm honest, yeah. so that I could grow Taliates. Um, that was the, but actually, it's now become one of those things I actually love doing. So it'll always be a bit of both, I think.
0: What do you get out of helping others, Karen?
1: I just love seeing people grow. I love seeing people, you know, build their dreams and, and just, if they can go out, uh, if we can have a conversation and they can, um, I don't know, learn a little bit more about themselves. Um, to the point where they've got the confidence to go and
0: you know follow their dreams then that's fantastic and do you always work with people that that you know or do you get people coming to you and you know what do you do whenever you think gosh I don't know whether that will work or I need you to change direction or I know coaching doesn't work like that because people have to realize that themselves you can't say no "No, stop (laughs) but when you have so much experience in so many different areas, you know, how do you begin with somebody when they're, they're struggling? Um, I don't know really, I suppose. Uh, if it's a specific area, like
1: I, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were well, like, you, can, you know, can I show you my accounts? Can I show you my accounts? And things like that, I'm like, Ooh, OK, No. You can show me, but <laughs> I cannot advise you on that. That is not. So you have to you do learn to be very What are my strengths? Yeah. Well, how can I help? Yeah Absolutely. And I think um that anybody who um is in their own business just has to keep learning all the time. And I would I would reference a lot of books, but if I can't help them, I would definitely you know, I've got a network now of people that I can probably refer them, you know, refer them to.
0: And the network's um, massively important.
1: Yeah, huge. I actually didn't realise um when I stopped When I came out of um, Desmond's after, really after Tom was born and joined Russell in the business, um, I, even though I'd been here for 15 years, I hadn't worked in Northern Ireland. I'd worked mostly really in London, it felt like, because I was in such a large business. And um, I don't think I realised I was building a network, um, but actually that network has been, you know, the lifeblood of the last few years and of Taylor Yates actually as well.
0: So how do you get on working with your daughter, a mother-daughter uh, partnership? Are there many? Are there many partnerships out there, mother-daughter businesses? Um, I don't know. Actually,
1: um, I haven't really. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's some really successful ones. I think it is. I think I'm very lucky. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that um, you know the fact that we most of the time it, do get on. Well, we do get on very well. To be fair, <laughs> we're, we're better at it than we were a few years ago. Um, and it's a constant work in progress and we're getting better at it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But Ellen's older now as well, so I'm sure those sort of teenage years mightn't have been just as fun. Just as much Sorry, Ellen, and I'm just speaking from experience. (laughs) (laughs) And my mum will probably say the same. Yeah,
1: no, exactly. No, she's she's great. I I think we, um, generally we now have a bit of a rhythm of the week. We've started to do that now within the business, so we... Um, you know, in terms of the, what happens on each day and where ah. each... Because I'm a bit chaotic. Okay, and did she need a bit more structure? Yeah, absolutely. And has that been good for you? Yes. Right, so oh, what's yeah. what's the typical week? What's the typical... So Mondays, I'm going to be on Tailiates, and mm-hmm. we'll start with a team meeting. Um, this Monday was one-to-ones as well, so I do one-to-ones once a month with the team. Um, Tuesdays, I'm probably going to be in Hone. Um, Wednesdays are a bit of a mix, um Thursdays usually Taylor eights and then Fridays Ellen and I will be like recap on the week before we go into the next week mm-hmm. it's sort of a rough outline um and do you base yourself in the shop I did but we're sort of running out of space now okay so. with five people yeah so our dining room table in the sunroom has been a constant you know before lockdown and yeah, we need a bit of a we need a bigger home now.
0: Until actually. you look to the Causeway Visitor Centre or something <laughs> like that, just take that over. <laughs> where next, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> yeah, what is next for Taylor Yates, Then where where do you go now? Well, we just launched knitwear. Oh, goodness. yeah,
1: we've just is that launched that it. one of
0: your beautiful. It
1: is, it is. Um, oh, that's
0: lovely, blue knitwear. Uh, gorgeous. Thank you,
1: thank you. Yeah, so merino, hundred percent merino wool, um, fine, really, really fine. Again. I think everything we do, we've decided, will um, have that, um, that softness, that, that touch, that feel that makes, you know, you can wrap yourself in it and you mm. then feel confident and wonderful, you know. Um, so, yeah, we've just launched Knitwear. Um, it's all being handmade in Belfast. So, we've, although we haven't been able to get the handbags made here um, at this stage, they are made here, which is, which is great. We are collaborated with a girl um, that we found on Instagram. And she's fab, Ola. So we've called it the Orla Collection. Oh, fab. Um, we're also doing, um, at the moment, we're doing um, a little bit of, sort of some hoodies, which is a um, collaboration with the charity, with Glow. Mm-hmm. So, again, funds to them. But ultimately, there'll be clothing. There'll be a clothing collection.
0: Um, How exciting. Down the line. How exciting. And will you work with designers on that then?
1: Well, I've just employed. Um, so our fifth person is um, a graduate from Belfast Met. Um, so currently only um, like uh, three days a week, but the plan is that she'll come on board full time, and she uh, has the the skills for the patterns and um, and and that uh, some of the tech skills I wouldn't necessarily have. But there's lots to do. I mean, we
0: we just need to reach out to decide where we're going to get them made. There's. Loads to do. Loads to do and lots of exciting things to do as well. And what's it like in Bush Mills at the moment? Because it's such an a, a happening place and it feels like it's so vibrant now. Yeah, it's really, it's it's,
1: it's, it's just a, a, a really becoming a really cool little, yeah. it was always, I suppose it was always a cool little village, but for different sort of a different look. But now, yeah, it's, um, it's like it's a
0: Hillsborough or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah. It, it, it's, um, I don't know. I think people are, it's becoming a bit of a
0: destination now, I think. Um, So buy the house now, (laughs) because they're going to rock it, especially whenever Taylor Yates expands as well. But all the restaurants, all the the lovely local produce, um, really nice vibe going on there. Do you get any spare time, Karen? And if so, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not very good at at spare
1: time. um, I'm looking forward to getting a holiday this year. Yeah. That will be really good. Um, I tend to um, just spend time... um, I rarely spend time not thinking about the business, to be honest, um, but I realise I have to be a bit kinder, so we, we go to the gym a couple of times a week, we have PT, love, I love staying fit. Um, just recently started doing some stuff with, with food, so I'm not eating meat anymore, which has been interesting. And um, how have you coped with that? It's been really good, it's been really, uh, it's just, obviously I'm just at that point in my life where um, just that change has really worked. Um, So yeah, travel A bit of travel Fun with friends um, Nothing particularly I've
0: never really given myself time to find a hobby And do you have an exit strategy? Do you know the age you're going to cut off Or will you ever stop? Ellen says I'll never stop Mm, I think she's right
1: Yeah, that's her view I don't have a plan to stop Um, I think that as long as I'm having fun That the team are good That we're growing um, That we're doing the right things Actually even before growth to be honest Um, no not really I just want I think I think I probably want a bit more flexibility
0: going forward so um, you know maybe work from Palmer every now and again would be quite nice no and you can do that we've all seen that you can do that that's that's been the one of the great benefits um, of lockdown if you can bring your laptop anywhere in the world you can work from there so Finally, last question. I ask this of all the guests, Karen. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Taylor Yates. So therefore, what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Good question. Um,
1: I think when you when I look back, um, I often um, underestimated how much research I did. I didn't think I was researching, but I was definitely researching. And when I'm talking to people that are starting their business, some people get quite upset if they've been going for a year or more, and I go, well, you know, you're really still in the market research phase. And they sort of look at me and go, no, no, but I've got sales. And that's, well, yeah, okay, you have sales, but ultimately you're still learning. And I don't think you ever stop learning, but... In Northern Ireland, we're incredibly lucky. We have two amazing universities where you can get students that will want a project mm. and will do some research for you. We have networks through in, you know, uh, the enterprise agencies through um, Invest NI. Um, I think there's an awful lot that you can do before to, to minimise the risk. Um, and so I think actually, I wouldn't probably have said this a few years ago because I probably didn't realise it, but I would definitely spend a lot of time... Um, doing some really really serious research and then testing your market before most people i see at the moment um you know don't give up the day job straight away
0: no no that's great advice too and you sort of spin a few plates work very hard and build your business on the side first of all if you can
1: yeah great
0: advice Karen Yates, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, Give a a big plug, not to your marketing website because you don't have one, but to Taylor Yates' website if people would like to check out your beautiful products. TaylorYates.com. Nice and easy. TaylorYates.com. Thank you so much to Karen Yates for joining me today. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Public Eye podcast and I'll see you again very soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio.